0: Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out
1: more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at unabridgedpod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 262. Today is our book club discussion of Elliot Page's Page Boy. Before we get started, I want to remind you that we are continuing to update things on Patreon. So we have an episode there every month as well as some bonus content. And yeah, we would love to invite you to check that out as a way to help support us and to show that you enjoy the podcast. So you can go to patreon.com slash unabridged pod for more information. All right, before we get started, we're going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading?
0: So one of the things I'm reading right now is Adiba Jagadar's The Do's and Donuts of Love. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is a super fun book that is a YA book about a Bangladeshi-Irish character. Um, Sharen is her name. And she is a baker, as the pun and the title suggests. She works at a donut shop with her parents who – immigrated from Bangladesh, they have their donut shop, they are successful, but also needing to kind of up their social media and stuff like that. Like they have a very successful business, but they also are Sharon is seeing how they maybe need to transition a bit as things become more online and social presences become important and all those ratings and reviews, stuff like that. So she's kind of aware of that. And she also loves baking and she would eventually like to have her own shop. And so because of that, um, there's an opportunity. It's going to be the first ever junior Irish baking show. Mm -hmm. And... So as that opportunity becomes available, Sharon is like, "Oh, this is awesome because this could give me a great chance to get a leg up in the you know in her own pathway, but also she feels like it's a great idea for her family's donut shop." So she kind of sees as something that could benefit her and you know benefit them in multiple ways, and so she decides to audition for that. But she's also dealing with the fact that she. And her girlfriend have broken up. And I don't want to give any spoilers, so I was like, how should I say? Mm-hmm. There are things related to her girlfriend's family also has a shop. And so there are some things related to the audition for the Junior Irish Baking Show that caused some conflict for the two of them. Chris is the ex-girlfriend's name. And they that caused some conflict before the book starts. So you know that they used to be really close, but now they're separated and Shiren is dealing with that and, you know, all the heartbreak that comes with a breakup and those dynamics. And so she's kind of dealing with that as the story's unfolding. So that's the premise. And I mean, I love this. I love the title. The cover caught my attention. I just was like, oh, this seems like just it's a celebration. It's a celebration of the joy of food. It's a celebration of how culture and food connect. And it's also just a celebration of Sharon as this amazing character who is so ready to Take things on and go out there and find her way, but is also, you know, it has some insecurities and has some things to navigate and also is dealing with how people perceive her. Like it opens up this doorway of people. There's scrutiny, there's commentary, things like that that she's having to deal with, and she's having to navigate that um, as a child of immigrants, as a person of color, she's having to navigate some things that are really hard. And yet, I think she is just such a courageous and fun character. And it is a fun book. Again, I think the Mm -hmm. title shows like that, you know, the author's got a fun perspective. There's a lot of great puns throughout and things like that. So that all is really fun. So I am thoroughly enjoying it. I'm listening to this one on audio thanks to Libro FM. And so far, I think it is really great. So that's Adiba Jagadir's The Do's and Donuts of Love. (laughs) That one's out.
1: I really need to get to that one. When you posted about it at some point on Instagram, I was like, Oh, yeah, because I'd seen it around. I wish I'd seen it more. But I'd kind of forgotten about it. So yeah, I need to pick that one up.
0: Yes, it is great, and it is one that I would like to see get even more attention because I just feel like it's such a really cool perspective and just a lot of fun. And I think it does a nice job of exploring the sensation of reality baking shows. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. That's great. What about you, Jen? What are you reading?
1: So I have just started Claudia Gray's The Murder of Mr. Wickham, and I had predominantly known Gray as a YA fantasy author, but in this one, she takes Austin's characters from her six major novels and puts them in a single house because of a house party, and there is a murder mystery. (laughs) So so she has this great note at the beginning where she lays out, She sort of assigned years to each of the books. So Darcy and Elizabeth are the first to have gotten together. So their children are now grown. So their son, Jonathan, is a main character at the house party as well. And then she has characters all the way down to Marianne from Sense and Sensibility and Colonel Brandon who just are newly married. So you see that she's created these projections of what might have happened to these couples post-marriage. And so Emma and Knightley, from Emma, decide to invite their friends, their distant relatives, their tenants to their home. And they're sitting down to dinner and there's going to be this huge rainstorm. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Wickham shows up and Wickham, if you don't know, is kind of the villain of Pride and Prejudice. And he is this sly person who was constantly trying to get more money and to make himself look better and to get revenge on the people that he thinks have wronged him and In this setting, which is about 20 years after Pride and Prejudice took place, he is just continuing in that lifestyle. So the web of people that Gray has created who kind of know each other or related, they also have a variety of reasons that they are not thrilled that Wickham has shown up at this dinner party. So yeah, again, I'm still very early, but he has wronged the Wentworths from Persuasion. And, of course, he was married to Elizabeth's sister, Elizabeth Bennett's sister, Lydia, from Pride and Prejudice, and he treated both her and their daughter really horribly. And then there are some people that we aren't quite sure what he's done to them, but they are definitely not too thrilled that he has shown up. So yeah, that that's kind of where I am, where like the the pieces have just been in put, put in place. Obviously, he's going to die because the title. But this is a planned series. So the second book just came out. I'm eager to get to that already because I can tell I'm going to love this. And this is part of my Read Austin 23 Buddy reads slate. So yeah, I'm anxious to see what people have thought of it, but... Gray's writing is strong. I think the way that she's taking these characters and remain faithful to their personalities, even as they're interacting with each other, is really fun. So yeah, that is Claudia Gray's The Murder of Mr. Wickham.
0: <laughs> that is fascinating, Jen. I hadn't heard anything about that one. How interesting.
1: Yeah. Interesting premise. Really, yeah. It's a lot of fun. So we've of all of the retellings so far, I think this is the first mystery we've read. We've got another one coming up. But yeah, it's, it's fun to see people take Yeah, what Austin created and put it in this other genre. Yeah. Sort of fun. Cool. All right. Well, we are going to switch gears and start talking about page boy. I will say I sat down to write a summary of this one, a synopsis of this one and had a hard time. So I'm just using what the publisher wrote, which is full of intimate stories from chasing down secret love affairs to battling body image and struggling with familial strife. Page boy is a love letter to the power of being seen. With this evocative and lyrical debut, Oscar-nominated star Elliot Page captures the universal human experience of searching for ourselves and our place in this complicated world. All right, well, we're going to start just with our overall impressions. Ashley, what did you think of Page Boy?
0: I thought this was phenomenal. I felt like I've seen Elliot Page in several films. I've watched Umbrella Academy and... I have always admired him as an actor, but certainly knew nothing about him as a person, really. And I think I was struck throughout by how brilliant he is, but also how conscientious he is about other people and how that concern for others and the awareness of others is in a lot of ways what was so hurt like as you read page boy it's what's so hurtful throughout the story is that i felt like elliot page centered other like always tried to do what he thought other people wanted him to do Mm -hmm. and certainly had a lot of pressure to perform a certain way to be a certain way i mean not just in in his work but in general to perform a certain way to be a certain way and all of that was very gendered and He knew essentially from the beginning that that was not, did not feel right. And yet, you know, we see him, he's well into his 30s and just now has written this and just now has transitioned. And so we see how even though his inner self had known that things needed to be different, that it took a very long journey and a very painful one to get from where he was to where he is today in the story that he's telling in the book. And I just felt like it, it, I thought it was phenomenal, but I, I, a lot of it felt very painful Mm -hmm. just because I hurt for him. And I think even sometimes he's telling the stories as is like, you know, as this happened, this happened, this happened. But for the reader, I mean, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like so much pain and so much heartbreak and so much that I felt throughout could have been avoided mm-hmm. if people could have just heard him, seen him, believed him, that things could have been a lot different so much earlier. Um, and yet ultimately very hopeful. Yeah. Even amid knowing that all of that hardship happened, you know, I think that in a lot of ways Page Boy is ultimately very hopeful mm-hmm. um, and a looking a looking forward. What did you think, Jen? What yeah. are your overall impressions?
1: I really loved it too. So I had an experience that I'm sorry that I'm going to share because I feel like I talk about the National Book Festival all the time. But also I think when you see an author and in person, they are so impressive that can't help but influence the reading. So Kirk and I had the chance to see Paige speak in August at the National Book Festival about the book. And I think I was so impressed with the clear intention that he took the time with every statement, with every answer to every question to be really thoughtful and really earnest and really careful in how he was expressing his truth in a way that could make it valuable to other people, other readers, either people who wanted to understand his journey or people who might be going through a similar journey themselves. And I felt the same way in the book. I felt like his purpose in writing really just hit hard because I think it's so clear that he took value from other people's stories and that that helped him to understand who he was and to take steps that required a lot of bravery and that he wants to offer one more story that might help someone else. So I just, I really loved it. I agree with what you said that parts of it are so heavy and parts of it are just the way people treat him. I mean, the way his own family treats him, I just find to be unbelievable Not unbelievable, like I don't believe it happened, but just how can you love someone or profess to love someone and then treat them that way? And yet I'm so glad he shared it because I think it's important to have, I mean, that's what members are powerful in doing, right? Is saying this is someone's story. This is what they went through. Maybe sharing it will help someone else too. And yeah, so I thought it was really brilliant at that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... I thought right away when you were saying that, Jen, about the part where Elliot had finally decided to say to his mom that he did not want to go back and forth anymore. And how the dad takes him to that park and cries. And immediately he, I mean, again, I think what I saw over and over again was just the level of care for others, Mm -hmm. which you want to believe then means that that person is cared for and taken care of. And throughout this, it is the opposite. Like Paige has such a generous heart and is so – thinks so much about how other people feel. Yeah. And then because of that, gets trampled on again and again. And so I felt like that was just one of the many, many examples where he finally says the thing that has taken him forever to say. Mm -hmm. And then the dad, because the dad gets upset, then he's like, I take it back, I take it back. And then none of them ever talk about it again. And I felt but like again, that, that was just such over pure over
1: manipulation oh, for from sure. his. I was so outraged at his treatment at that house throughout the book. Yes, but especially in that moment because he is now sharing. Yeah, he is sharing his truth. Because it was a
0: teenager, right? So then you think like it's the adult's responsibility to keep their emotions in check until they can handle the situation. But instead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my gosh. But but I felt like that was just, like, a microcosm of what happened over and over again yeah. in Paige's life. That, like, it takes him forever because he's seemingly, you know, like, I'm, I'm making all these observations about him as a person and, like, obviously I don't know him. But in the memoir, I think you yeah. do feel like you really know him. and. Throughout it takes him so long each time to get from that internal dialogue to finally saying something to someone and then to have it dismissed or made fun of mm-hmm. or belittled over and over again. So I felt like that moment with the dad was just like something that happened over and over again in Hollywood with the work, with the you know, where finally Paige would say something. Yeah. And then would be silenced or dismissed. And then would swallow that back down and then deal with the next round of abuse. I mean, there were so many times that it was really an abusive situation and that he would finally try to advocate for himself a little bit or extract himself from it a little bit. And then you just see that sea of Mm -hmm. assault where he winds up backtracking. Yeah. And I thought that was really (sighs) hard, you know? Yeah. Sorry,
1: I don't have a good transition from that point. But our next category is what worked for us. So Ashley, what's one thing that worked for you?
0: I mean, I think that the way that Paige tells the story, I thought was just really well done. And I think I think that Paige focuses on his own experiences, but also speaks to a larger truth mm-hmm. that can be true for a lot of people in a way that needs to be explored. And I really loved that because I think that, I mean, I felt like, you know, this is something he says throughout the book a lot is that like, when did you know and how he felt and feels that this is code for like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like not taking you seriously, not believing you. And I felt like that was really powerful to come back to over and over again, because I do think as he talks about in the book, him coming out as gay was one level, but the level of that was so, as someone who has done both, come out as gay and then come out as trans, the level of that was so minor, even though it was very difficult to do and there was a lot of pain involved, was very minor in comparison to mm-hmm. coming out as trans. And I just really appreciate that you put that all on the page. Yeah. I think people need to have to confront that and to see how vulnerable trans people are because of all of these mm-hmm. the bigotry, the generalizations, the assumption that people are making that they know something about that person, I think all of that was just really well told. and again he is so gracious I think with people as a whole. I mean I just think like there's so such a graciousness with even people who've mistreated with family members, with people within the industry. There's this graciousness of willing to, like, see that everybody's, like, a work in progress, kind of. I felt like there was a lot of grace given to the people in each of these incidents. And yet, we as the reader are seeing this common thread. Yeah. And the thread is one of doubting somebody's knowledge of themselves. And this, like, decision that somehow you as the outsider know better than the person themselves. And I think that comes up over and over and over again in a way that I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jen? What was something that worked for you?
1: So when the book first came out, I saw mixed reviews and most of the criticism centered on the non-chronological nature of the memoir. And I would actually say that was something that worked really well for me. And Paige himself speaks about the fact that the book is not a linear timeline because the journey is not a linear timeline. And I think that makes so much sense. And I think he portrayed that really well in the way he is sort of delving back through the layers of his life to explore how he figured out that he is the person he is today and that he is able to express being that person and that identity is not something that he just recognized or he did recognize it, but could articulate all at one time. And then it took all of this work with all of these different people, you know, friends and family, both that he had to get this, these supporters, but also work through the people who were in opposition to him speaking his truth. Yeah. I just, I really am puzzled I will say I read the print, and some people listened, and maybe that's harder to... Did you listen?
0: I listened, Jen, and I feel like it is not a valid criticism. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if it was harder
1: to follow on audio, but I will say in print, I did not find it to be difficult to follow. I thought it was really clear the connecting threads that he was drawing through these different stories, and that... You know, this one thing that happened to him in Hollywood related to this incident in his family, I I thought it made sense. And I thought it emphasized that fact that none of our journeys is a linear timeline, that all of us have callbacks to things that happened in our childhood that suddenly become clear and help illuminate something about who we are now. And that that's just part of the process of getting to know ourselves better and being able to express ourselves more clearly to People who need to know our story. So, yeah. So I guess I'm kind of taking something that people see as a negative and making it a positive because it was a positive for me. I really.
0: I think it added to the complexity of the text and showed... Elliot's understanding, Paige's understanding. I always feel like when you read a memoir, you want to talk about them in first person because like (laughs) suddenly Elliot's my friend. Yes. I recognize it's not true. (laughs) So, you know, I think it's Paige's understanding of the layers of each of those things, which if told in chronological order would be different. But again, I think even that criticism shows this idea of people feeling that they know better than the person telling the story, how the story should be. And I just am very critical of that, because I think that it goes back to this idea that people are making a lot of assumptions about thinking they know something about how someone should be. I mean, I think it's exactly what Paige explores throughout the book, is Mm -hmm. this endless pressure to be something that's defined not in any way considering him as a person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I want to say one more thing. Sorry, I'm going to cheat. But I also (laughs) really appreciated the way he examined the fact that being famous both gives him some privileges and some wealth that allowed him to take certain steps that would be difficult for people who had less wealth or less fame, but also put him in the public eye in a way that meant his journey was very public. And yeah, I don't, we don't need to dwell on that, but I just thought he did a great job of navigating that because I could see Yeah, how that is a double-edged sword. And I felt like that was really important for him to acknowledge. And there are multiple points where he acknowledges a privilege that he has for one reason or another, but also how that public-facing, even more public-facing than most people have to make these declarations about themselves, that it was like, you know, you have to have a press release about things, or you have to make a speech about something. That's just an extra level of difficulty you have to work through. Absolutely,
0: and I think I felt like he... Really explored how, again, it's the pattern of events that I thought really resonated. And, again, the lack of it being exactly chronological order mm-hmm. to me strengthened that apparent, like, making the pattern more apparent. Yeah. But for sure, it was that idea of, well, you just have to play the part. You have to wear this. You need to wear that dress. Aren't you an actor. the dress is going to be, yes. yes. The dress is just the thing that everyone's expecting you to wear. You have to, you know, and I think I felt like... When you already – I mean, I think Paige shows over and over again how alone he was as a child and how isolated. And so when you have that happening, and especially as he hits puberty and then suddenly begins to feel more and more disconnected from the friend groups, from the, his body, all of that starts to feel more and more disconnected. And then the only messaging he is getting is – from people saying, oh, but you just have to wear this thing. Yes. Like, and, and what is wrong with you? Like, I think we see him berating himself, but he also is just echoing the messages he hears over and over again of like, how privileged can you be to not want to wear this ball gown that's worth whatever amount, you know, like what's wrong with you? Yeah. And then that self-loathing that comes from feeling that he, his experiences are not valid and that he should be grateful And I thought all of that was just really, really well told. And again, I mean, absolutely heartbreaking Mm -hmm. because we see how hurtful it is to his, I mean, to his well-being, to every part of his well-being. And it is just so awful to see. But I feel like, I mean, that's the messaging that he gets over and over again. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. All right.
1: Our next category is a quote to discuss. So Ashley, what's one quote you want to highlight?
0: Uh, let's see. I think there's so many that I could choose here, but I'm going to go with this. Why won't this emptiness ever go away? We do not realize the extent of the energy we're losing until we find out where it's seeping from. Invisible until it is not a thought just out of reach. Only now do I understand just how much I was consumed. The degree to which my brain was taken by a desperate, insatiable need to control a watchtower enforcing my own personal isolation. And I feel like there are lots of different passages that deal with this, but I think it is that idea of there's several things here. One is this desire to control. And I think that we see that so much in eating. We see it in so many things that he struggles with as he's a teenager and working and trying to figure out how to be an adolescent actor and then what that looks like, not having the support that he needed from family, not necessarily having the support from from friends and certainly from – and, you know, again, he, he's so gracious in those stories about the actors he's worked with and how he said so many nice things about the kind people he's worked with, how great the, that a lot of the actors are. And yet he was obviously suffering throughout so much of this, and it, you know, it manifested in all kinds of eating – Issues It manifested in all of these. I mean, even physical, like there's, the, you know, some of the really heartbreaking parts are where he's hurting his body and then like trying to cover up the hurt so that people won't know. And and then like the what is wrong with me? Why can't I just be thankful for what I have, you know? I mean, I just thought there was so much of that, but I, I loved how, so you see that in this quote, but then the other thing that's tied to it is this idea that he couldn't identify Because he did not have the words, he did not have the language, and he did not have the support, he couldn't identify the thing that was making all of this manifest. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that where he says, a thought just out of reach. I just felt like, you know, invisible until it is not. I felt like there were just so many times that he's like, I could not get here until I could begin to fathom and have the language for where I needed to go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's really powerful in this book. And I feel like I'm so glad it's out there and that people are reading it for that reason. Because I think that if we take away the stories that help people have the language to figure out what they need and who they are, then they can't get down the journey to self-realization. Like they're, they're it's withheld from them. So I just felt like that quote's really powerful because I think, mm-hmm. you know, he's just saying like a lot of that is that I didn't have it yet. I didn't have what I needed to be who I needed to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's so brilliant. So I will say I, my quote is related, but yeah, it's just going to add. I'll just say it and then I'll explain why. I, I do feel like it's a little bit different, but he says, this is actually on the very first page of the author's note and I'll explain why I wanted to talk about it. So he says, writing a book has come up a few times over the years, but it never felt right. And quite frankly, it didn't feel possible. I could barely sit down, let alone be still long enough to complete such a task. My brain's energy was being wasted, a ceaseless drip, attempting to conceal and control my discomfort. And I think that's related to what you were saying, Ashley, about that need to be able to articulate your truth clearly, but also just about the energy and brain space it takes to live a life that is not authentic. And we'll link to the video at the National Book Festival. That is something he spoke directly about that he said, I I copy this from the transcript, I could never have imagined in a million years just how different I feel, how centered, how present the space in my mind to be creative, to feel inspired. I could never have sat down and written a book before. No way. I wouldn't have had the space mentally, and I just wouldn't have been literally able to sit down for periods like that. And I thought that was so powerful that here is someone who is an artist, who is a creative person, who, you know, wrote this brilliant book, but would not have been able to do it before just because of the energy it takes to exist in a way that is not true to who you are. Uh, Yeah, I just, I thought that was so powerful. And I think the rest of the book bears that out. I think that is clear through the rest of the book when his energy is going somewhere else, how much that takes away from him, just from his ability to be and to be centered and to be positive and present. I don't usually pick a quote from the first page, but I felt like that one just set up this thesis that I felt through the, yeah. the rest of the memoir. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even the what what people see as success for Paige, who is a phenomenal actor mm-hmm. and has been in so many things, but even that success was all because the comfort that he felt most often was within roles, yeah, because he could be into a character's role and felt s- space there to be that character. And I felt like you know, you see that here that like that that aspect of creativity was perhaps more accessible than other areas of creativity because that was the one thing he felt that he knew how to do, yeah, and felt comfortable doing is being in those spaces creatively. um whereas, you know, finally, he is in a different place. That's what, I would kind of want to cheat and share one other question. Yeah. Is that okay? Of course. Um, I, just cheated before. To, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to share when he says, after I came out, shockingly enough, the world did not end and I was happier. And now I had that as a reference in my chest pocket. If you can do that, you have nothing to be afraid of. I'd mutter to myself. And I love that too because I think that we see that 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 is a journey that even after coming out, of course, the story does not end and That it's not a single one-time thing. And even in a situation with someone of fame who does proclaim in a way that is going to hit a lot more ears than somebody who maybe feels they have to come out over and over and over and over again. Still, it's not going to mean that suddenly it's all sunshine and roses and everything is easy. And yet he's like, once I did this thing, I could remind myself that I had done it. And that that helps me carry on, you know, and I thought like that was really something that comes up a lot in the book, too. But that's really powerful.
1: Yeah, agreed. All right. What is a book that you would recommend as a pairing for this one?
0: A lot came to mind. I mean, in some ways, I think this one is very unique. But at the same time, I think it is we're seeing more and more, thankfully, stories that do tell of these journeys to find your identity, to speak your truth, and to help other people know that basically. (laughs) And so one that I wanted to share is George M. Johnson's All Boys Aren't Blue. So this one is a memoir as well. And it's a series of personal essays. I listened to this one on audio, I thought it was phenomenal. And I think that we see with George M. Johnson, there are definitely some common threads about feelings that there's a certain way to be. And that that is running throughout a young person's life about there's a certain way to be, you know, as the title suggests in this all boys aren't blue, this idea that a boy is supposed to be a certain way. And that if he is not that way, then he's not a boy Mm -hmm. and that there's no space for a continuum or this idea of different ways to be. And so we really see in their memoir, this exploration of how, all of that is a very limited way of viewing the world and that it has some really profound ramifications for the young people in that world. And so I think we're, I mean, we're seeing that play out and seeing how that can really hurt a person who is trying to be their authentic selves. And so absolutely we see that with George M. Johnson. So with this there's so many things explored, but it is definitely a celebration of the richness of our identities and how it's beautiful to be a lot of different things. And the world is beautiful because we are not all exactly the same. And so I really think you see that, and yet we also see exploitation, we see some where boundaries are, I mean, just like with page white, there's all these times where boundaries are crossed. Part of how those boundaries are crossed with George M. Johnson as a young person is that people are limited in how they perceive things. And then because of that, this stuff happens that shouldn't be happening, but because nobody's having conversations, it just like things like consent. I mean, all of this is tied up in this idea of like, that we want to make things, these binaries that they're not. And because of that, then we don't have these hard conversations. And then, and then meanwhile, young people suffer. And so I think it's really beautiful. It's a, a very moving and at times very hard memoir. And it tells an important story. And so again, that is George M. Johnson's All Boys Aren't Blue. And I definitely plan to read more of Johnson's books. I found it very impactful.
1: Yeah, I really loved the way Johnson, like Paige, wanted to share a story that could help others. And that intention is so clear through the book. And so Johnson is telling a story they wish had been out there for themselves.
0: Absolutely. What about you, Jen? What's your pairing?
1: So one book that came immediately to mind is Case and Callender's Felix Ever After. And this is a novel. So Calendar, who we've talked about on the podcast before, wrote a YA book about a character named Felix who moved to a new school after he transitioned. And at that new school, his previous identity, including his dead name, is being shared publicly. And, you know, he is really being outed in a way that makes him uncomfortable. It's a place, you know, he's already trying to fit in. He's seeking relationships. He's never been in love before. And then he deals, he's dealing with this public outing of an identity that he has left behind. And so... There's a lot of complexity within the story. There's a catfishing story and, and there's there's a lot to it. But the part that felt most strongly connected to Page Boy for me was that idea of a private journey that has become public in a way that you did not choose. And I think it's not that anyone wants to deny the truth of that identity, but that it, it should be your choice to share what you want to share. And that it is no one else's right to make that public against your will. And so I felt that very strongly. Ashley and I were talking about this before we started recording too. And Ashley pointed out that it's also just about being able to name, to, about having those words and being able to name yourself. And that you see that journey in this book as well, just as you do in Pageboy. So even though this one is fiction and Pageboy obviously is nonfiction, I do think that there are a lot of parallels that are quite, quite rich.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think just that not even having the words. I think one of the things in Felix Ever After that I loved was just that he wants to know what things fit for Mm -hmm. his identity, and he's trying to figure all that out. And it's hard when no one has even – given you words to explore with. So yeah, I think that's really powerful. I, yeah. I loved that one. I love calendars. Mm-hmm.
1: And stuff. I need to read more. Um, but yeah, I really, yeah. Loved that's what I thinking about
0: I George and Johnson is that I loved the memoir so much. I need to read their other work too. So, yeah.
1: All right. Well, we'll close out this discussion with our bookish rating. Ashley, what do you think?
0: I mean, five, five bookish hearts for me for sure. What about you? Jen? Yep. Same. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I mean, I'm very just so I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad this story's in the world. And I just, I really appreciate Elliot Page being willing to tell the story. I think it's hard to put your personal life. I think that Page seems like, you know, a relatively introverted and private person, considering the fact that he has a very public life as a movie star. And yet, he's willing to tell the story for all the reasons I think we've discussed that, you know, he wants people to... Feel support and feel that they're not the only ones navigating hard things and, um, you know, and telling what that journey can be like for a person.
1: All right. Well, we will end now with our spotlight segment. Ashley, what do you want to spotlight today?
0: So... I think I'm still getting in the groove of the spotlight, (laughs) but but I am going to go with, I just, I don't know that I've ever talked about Futurama on here. So I'm just going to circle around and say that I love Futurama. I have watched it many times. I find it very comforting. And so I just wanted to circle back that Futurama has their, a new season 10 years out that has just come out in the summer. So for Futurama fans, I just want to say that One, I love Futurama, and two, I'm so excited that there are new episodes. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's your spotlight, Jen? So mine is
1: a, a book, kind of, and I know I probably shouldn't be doing books on this segment, but I read Abraham Verghese's The Covenant of Water and paired that with listening to Verghese's interviews with Oprah on Oprah's Super Soul podcast. And that experience was just beyond belief. So the book is is a big one. It's 800-ish pages, I think. I ended up listening and I think it was like 31 plus hours of audio. But he reads the audiobook and does a phenomenal job. And then hearing him do this deep dive, I think there are six, five or six episodes of the super soul podcast. So they have like an introductory episode and then every two parts of the book, it's a new episode and just hearing him talk through his writing process and the way he drew from his own life as a doctor and from his childhood and his experiences in India yeah, it was just really a special experience. So I cannot recommend the book highly enough. And I think if, if you have, if you are reading the book, I think accompanying it, but with those podcast episodes is quite an experience. So
0: yeah. Oh, I love that recommendation. Yeah, it's cool.
1: All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We as always appreciate your support, both in listening. And if you want to give us a little extra financial boost, you can check us out at patreon.com slash unabridged pod. Thanks again do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today we'd love to hear them you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at unabridged pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us to get more involved you can sign up for our newsletter join a buddy read or become an ambassador thanks for listening to unabridged